Okay, um, this is part four of our um, lesson about what's all that, what was the whole class? What's the main theme of the whole class? Uh, keeping the step with the spirit. Very good. If you don't remember anything else, that's the thing I wanted to get across: is keeping the step with the spirit. For those um, who are listening to this recording and somehow it got turned off last week, let me read the sources of the YouTube videos where I got that information. And if you watch those videos, you'll be able to see much better than what I presented anyway. The first one that we did last week is the Sun Valley Community Church, Spirit, Soul, and Body, and that's in four different lessons. The one after that was called uh, David Nathan, and from Bread of Life Ministries, Spirit, Soul, and Body, Fall, and Redemption. So those are the YouTube video searches that you can do to, to see what we missed, because somehow I turned off the record button. <laughs> so the first three lessons that we've done so far... Uh, we're uh, centered around the spirit, soul, and body. And tonight we're going to move into a, a different one about the six stages of temptation and how to um, keep in step with the spirit, of course, through all this. And hopefully this will be helpful in recognizing when temptation comes and then how to to um, deal with that temptation. Okay, so the um, before we get into that, let's read James one through th thirteen through fifteen. In in um, as you, these are the six stages of temptation here: the mind, imagination, determination, <coughs> disobedience, development, and death. And as they progress, it's the same thing that what James is is telling us. In James 1, 13 through 15, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own desire, evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So, remember, our enemy is Satan, not God. God's not the one that's tempting us. Um, some people also call the things that James talked about here with the four D's. And that is desire, deluded or enticed, disobedience, and death. But we're going to head and, and work on these six uh, stages of temptation here. Um, what I'm wanting to do tonight is have more class participation. So I'll ask you different things like, why do you think it is this? And what's an example of that? So be thinking about those kind of things when we get to the different stages. Um, sin is world-class disease that will destroy us. It is worse than AIDS or anything else. Sin leads us to spiritual death. Uh, and sin is fun. Otherwise, we wouldn't do it. <laughs> sin is a lot of fun, but it's only temporary. 
So we got to remember that. We all know this. Um, that is why it is so hard to stay away from it. And like I said, it's a short-term pleasure. And remember that. Let's discuss how we can overcome temptation. So there are two P truths. The first one is perpetual. FDR. Perpetual. And the second one is personal. Okay, so perpetual. Uh, the perpetual truth, it keeps leading to other sin. So what are some examples of sin that keeps leading to another sin and another sin and another sin that you can think of? Lying. Very good. That's the, that's the easiest one, right? That's what you had to? Yeah. Uh, any other things? Deceitfulness, okay. All right. Selfishness. Selfishness, all right. Greed could potentially relate to embezzlement, stealing, robbery. Okay, okay. Good. Um, now, there's three don'ts that fall under the first P truth of perpetual. So, the first don't is don't be surprised when tempted. So you should ask, not ask yourself if I'm tempted, but when I'm tempted, this is what's going to happen. Number two, don't, under perpetual, don't feel guilty when tempted. Even Jesus was tempted. Um, I think this is a good time for me to go into the analogy that I've used in different classes I've been in of pain and guilt are very very similar okay so pain could be a good thing or it could be a bad thing if i'm if i'm a child and i'm up on the hot stove that that hot that heat is going to oh i don't want to touch that hot stove right so that pain or potential pain <laughs> is helpful to keep that child and us away from burning ourselves, right? Um, but on the other hand, um, it pain could be uh, getting you out of the picture, crippling you. If you're in chronic pain, you become ineffective to do what you want to do, right? Um, Lynn is a good example. She loved to be able to do much more, and same with Steve, uh, than she's able to do. But because of the pain she's in, because of the accident that she was in, she's limited. She does what she can do, but but she's limited. All right. So that that chronic pain prevents you from doing better. Pain is good. It prevents you from getting burned and hurt. But chronic pain makes you useless. Guilt, on the other hand is also good and bad. So if I'm uh, thinking about doing something bad and uh, my conscience says, <laughs> no, that's, that's not right. Let's not do that. So that, that brings me back to reality here and says, okay, I should not do that. God doesn't want me to do that. Keeping in step with the Spirit doesn't let me to do that. So I'm going to back away from that. On the other hand, if I have sinned and I'm so wretched man that I am kind of thing, 
in sin, I become ineffective for God because I'm just so worn down. God's unable to use me to reach out to other people and say, God's blessed everybody and he's given us this gift and that kind of stuff because I'm just such guilty. And, and like I talked about Andrew Womack in one of the videos, he did everything right for a very long time, read his Bible every single day, all that kind of stuff. Then they found out that he discovered that all that good stuff is like filthy rags. And so he was just, you know, guilty and saying, now what do I do? And he, he said that um, if, you're, if you're full of guilt, then you can't accept what the, the blessings that God has given you. God doesn't want us to live in guilt. So the number two, don't feel guilty when tempted. Even Jesus was tempted, right? Number three, under perpetual P-truth, don't think you are alone. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has seen you, seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, not if, when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can stand up under it. Many, many years ago, we had a men's retreat um, at uh, John Wesley Ranch up by Divide. And um, one of the, our previous elders that moved away taught the, taught the class. And he had us, he posted signs around the, the lodge of different sins that men usually have struggles with. And he says, pick the sin that you struggle with the most and go over there and stand by that sign. And other people who are also struggling can go by that sign. And then what you can do is you can partner with each other and be accountability partners and say, I understand what you're going through because I'm also going through the same thing. And so that helps us to, to be accountable to each other. And we'll talk about that even more later but um, this verse here is one of my favorites to help me to resist sin is when I am tempted God promises a way out what I have to do is I have to look for that way out now sometimes I'm going to take that way out and sometimes sin is fun and I'm going to do it so Okay, now the second P truth is that it's personal. Um, it affects you differently than others. So what are some examples of personal temptations that you or I might have that other people might not have? What, what doesn't tempt you that might tempt others? Put it that way. Yeah, for example, drinking. for example, drinking. I have absolutely no problem not drinking. Does that make me good and wonderful? No. It just means that's the sin that I don't have a struggle with. I have other sins that I struggle with, but not that one. Some people, that's a big struggle. That is their number one temptation, to struggle with alcohol. What are some others that 
might apply to others, but not you necessarily. Yes. Any addiction. Okay. Gluttony. Okay. And he and Steve mentioned some things that would lead to other things like greed and covetousness and that kind of stuff, right? But anger. Anger. Okay. But for some. Look at and see what somebody else has. Envy, okay, yes. Okay. Gossip, okay. So these are different kinds of sins that are personal that may apply to you or may not apply to you. But if they don't apply to you, if you have no struggles with other temptations that other people have, don't get proud about it because <laughs> we all have sin and fall short of the glory of God, right? Okay, so there's two don'ts that go with the personal P-truth. The first one is don't blame God when you're tempted. He does not tempt us, but gives good gifts as we learn in James 1.13. The second don't for personal truth is don't blame anyone else. Or anything else. Don't say, the devil made me do it. Or don't even say, like Adam, well, this woman that you gave me. Right? Uh, temptation is like frog in the boiling water. It will kill us unless we escape from it. Just like Joseph, when he read, ran away from Potiphar's wife who wanted to sleep with him. He fled. Uh, but that's could have been a very strong temptation for him too. Okay, so now let's discuss the six stages of temptation. The first one is the mind. Why do you think the mind is the first stage of temptation? It goes in, coincides with your heart. Coincides with your heart, okay. Desires of your flesh. Okay, desires of your flesh and your thoughts, right? Steve? It's where sin is conceived. I think that's the reason that Second uh, Corinthians 10 5 is so important. Taking every thought captive. Okay, very good. It's like the driver in my hand, not just automatically doing his left, caught by itself. There's something that's driving that. Okay. There's something in my mind that's saying slaps God. But I'm you controlling do. that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, every decision that it's we the driver. make is based on something in our mind. Mm hmm. Okay. And as you recall, in our spirit, soul, and mind studies, the mind is in what part? Outer. The soul. The soul part, the body, is not the body. The body is just a tent. The spirit is spirit. <laughs> but the soul is the one that has the will, the determination, the mind, that kind of stuff. Okay, so when we are tempted by saying something or our mind says, I wonder what it would be like to get drunk. 
or to steal or watch porn or to get stoned or whatever else. I wonder. So the mind is going to wonder, hmm, I wonder what it would be like to do that. Right? Now, I'm going to give it away um, right off the bat, but these three up here, you have not sinned yet. You develop and grow, just like James discussed it, you know, the way he described it, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, but you have not sinned in the first three stages. The mind, imagination, and determination. It's only when you come to disobedience, then development, and death that you actually have sinned. Yes? Well, but didn't Jesus say that if you think these things, if you just think it, you sin? Okay, true. If Jesus said if you lust after a woman, you have already sinned with her, right? You right. don't have to necessarily do anything, but that's okay. sinful. Okay. That's a good point. Um, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Is that what he said? Okay, so um, keeping in mind Jesus. When we're going through these three here, did Jesus sin by doing any one of these? We talked about uh, don't feel guilty because even Jesus was tempted. So don't feel guilty when you are tempted. Um, but it's when you flip over into disobedience, then it becomes sin. So maybe as we go through these, uh, it'll be more clear. Yes? The lust is a, a mental thing that is then put into action. But God has said that you're not even supposed to entertain it. Okay. So there is a level of, at least in my mind, there's a level of wanting something and then another level of really dwelling on it. Okay. Making it into a mental sin. Okay. Very good. We will actually get into that as we go through this. Keep in mind, these are six stages of temptation, not sin necessarily. It's the, what you're tempted at. Um, okay, let's... Let's see, we have to, have you ever wanted to just give up? In other words, have you ever wanted to quit trying to do what is right and just let go of God's values and just do whatever you wanted? I have. I remember when I came to that point, it's like, I just, I'm tired of doing right all the time. I just want to, I just don't want to do something bad. And then uh, it came to me that said, if I did that, my whole reputation would be ruined in just a short period of time, all for that short, pleasurable time of doing this stuff. So that's the mind. It's like, I wonder. Generally speaking, too, if you do something bad, you're going to pay for it. <laughs> Consequences of sin. In the long run. Yes. In the short run and the long run. That's true, too. Yep. <clears throat> all right. Any uh, other comments about the mind? That's the first stage of temptation. Okay, let's go into imagination. So, why do you think uh, imagination is the next step after the mind? The mind says, I wonder what it'd be like. Picture yourself doing it. Picture yourself doing it. Okay. 
Um, can anybody give an example of that? Using the illustration of getting drunk, just think about when you're getting drunk. Can you imagine? Hmm, what would be like for just took that shot or whatever? Mm-hmm. Imagine getting drunk, what that would feel like, right? I had a conflict with someone, so crossed my mind, and then my imagination let that turn into a conversation I was having by myself. Okay. Imagining, and sometimes the things I was saying maybe weren't the right thing. So I was going down that, you know, down that, and it, it's it's really sick about that is I'm not even be in prayer praying for someone and as I'm praying for them all of a sudden I'm starting to talk to them about stuff I need to get off my chest with them like practicing what I might say if I run into there you go that's what I think of practicing what you're going to say yeah yeah mm-hmm okay sometimes I wonder how far that goes um, anymore because um, we have a lot of technology today that even our kids have a hold of that um, you know they're very quiet handling it and stuff but what are they seeing what's going into their imagination okay what's taking over their thoughts okay you know what are what do they live out by what they see and um, so some of those things make it makes me wonder how much is their mind captivating their imagination Okay. Not adults too, not just kids. Yeah, adults and kids. And today, and the time we're living in, that the imagination is a very tender thing that um, can be used. There, it's a delicate thing. Mm -hmm. And so you mentioned, especially especially kids when they're with their technology things, the imaginations, and adults too. Mm -hmm. People are captivated by what it, they're seeing. Um, let's see. If you, if you have no imagination, though, you might not. Sometimes, I think about Jesus. We sing that song, He could have called 10,000 names. Right. I don't know if that actually comes on a scripture or not. Right. But, but I think it's a true statement. You know, when you are tempted, sometimes you think, okay, if I did this, then this. And some imagination is tied up into that. And that may be what stops you. Okay. So imagination is a good thing. Yeah, it could, imagine could be a good thing. It could be like, like right. the, the guilt and the... Right, right. And that's a good example with Jesus saying... All I need to do is call down 10,000 angels and, and I've got this made. Uh, but he says, hmm, what are the consequences of that? Yes. I think this is a good simplistic framework to think about, you know, how you get deeper and deeper into uh, sin, you know, as, you know, how the, the devil works on you. Mm -hmm. But I, I would submit that frequently starts off very subtle, right? I mean, how many of us think, I wonder what it would be like to be drunk? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Maybe it's probably more of, I've never had alcohol. I wonder what that 
tastes like? What, what's the big deal mm-hmm. about that? Mm-hmm. Show me one drink, son. I'll just have one drink. Or oh, what am I missing out on by you know not being a part of the the bar scene right. on, the, on the weekends? What what's the big deal? I mean, I don't have to go there and drink. Maybe I'll have one drink. You know, mm-hmm. and then um, in that imagination, there's absolutely not really well, very little that's wrong about that. Okay. It's just where that has the potential to lead and the farther it leads, the less of a grasp on our self-control we tend to have. Okay. Yes, it's progressive. <clears throat> right. Okay, so um, here's an example that I thought of too is have you ever stood on the edge of a cliff and looked down? It's like <laughs> you get this weird feeling in your stomach. Jeanette was, we were up on uh, hiking in the mountains, and she was sitting on the edge of a, a rock on the edge of a cliff, and I just felt horrible because I thought, she's certainly going to fall off. And it was just my imagination. She was okay. She knew she was okay. But my imagination had a physical effect on me that what if she fell or what if I fell? That's the kind of thing that imagination does to you. Well, I guess the point that I didn't really make very well is that I think over time, our imagination progresses. Yes. So it may start off with, uh, I wonder what's the big deal about alcohol? Mm-hmm. Does, it, does it taste good? I mean, what? I, I don't know. You know, and then, you know, so now I'm, now I'm, I'm drinking in moderation, but, you know, well... I, I always just have one drink. I mean, what's the big deal if I have two? Okay. And then... Good point. Good point. Okay. So where your thoughts and focus are is where you feel. When the emotions take over, you check out a logic and rationalization, and we justify our actions. I remember Dr. Dotson talked about um, giving false justification for what... You know, it's okay. You come up with some justification why it's okay to do what you're going to do that's wrong but it's false justification and so as he was saying we progress to the next one now any more qua- any more comments on imagination yes Okay. So that's what comes to my mind with that is, is you covet. Okay, covetous. You imagine what it would be like to have mm-hmm. something you don't have. Right? All right, imagination. So why is imagination, I'm sorry, not imagination, determination. <laughs> what are some ways we can tell when we have reached the stage of determination? The mind says, I wonder. Imagination is like, hmm, what would it feel like to covet and have that thing or get, get drunk or whatever? Determination. Why? Could you define what you, how you mean the term de- determination, what you mean by the term determination? Because I think there's different ways you can use that term. Okay. How do you think I'm using it? Well, I mean, determine, there's determination, I'm going to do this. Okay. There's there's determination of, I'm going to decide 
some issue, I'm going to determine whether this is a left or right. Okay. Or, you know, so, that, right. so there's different ways to use that term, actually. I think the first one is more what I'm, what I'm talking okay. about. Yeah, yes. That's what I thought. Yeah. It's, it's the, I've made the decision. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That's really neat. That's good. I'm, I'm doing that. Right. That's, that's what I thought you meant. But yes. You made the decision. You hadn't carried it out, but in your mind, it's it's wrong. Mm-hmm. I think of it as the I don't care what you think, God, and then Okay. God, I don't care what you think. I'm going to do it anyway. I'm determined to do it. All right. Just put yourself in a position where that is more likely to happen. Okay. Like you, the alcohol use thing, you go to a bar, or using. Compass when you are going to steal someone's car, I go over and actually walk past the car. And right. Inside. Right. Okay. You actually put yourself in a position to commit whatever sin the temptation does. That's a good point. You put yourself in a position to sin. But again, that first three, you really haven't yet sinned. So, determination. Let me uh, help you understand that. We say, I can't help myself. But you don't understand. My situation is different. Well, at least it's not as bad as that. This movie or activity is not half as bad as that other one. So, those are the kinds of determinations that you make when you're you, when you're moving from just a wonder to kind of imagine what it would be like. And then a determination where you can't make false justifications why it's okay to move to the next one, the disobedience, right? It's at this stage that you determine which way you're going to go, either stay righteous or join Satan and go on to sin. James 1.15 says, Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full-grown, gives birth to death. So, what, uh, what does conceive mean in this context? When, what, James, what does James talk about when he says when you conceive? You give in. Okay, give in. Yeah, I'm going to do it. And then you start taking action. Okay. Okay. A thought to a thing. thing, okay, goes from a thought to a thing, right? So you basically are forming an idea, like like he was saying, let's walk up next to the car, then I'm going to steal. <laughs> or let's walk into the bar and get ready to, to do that. So, uh, when the mind and imagination combine, they conceive and form an idea of how to go through with the sin. Keep in mind, they haven't yet sinned, but you're getting real close. You're on the line. <laughs> the goal is to make you act upon your feelings. So, the car salesman comes up to you and says, Wouldn't you feel great driving this car down the road? Think of how the people would look at you driving in the sharp, shiny car. Wouldn't that just feel wonderful? The feeling of doing that. 
I know you're going to have to pay a thousand dollars a month for seven years and not take care of your family to get this really nice car. But wouldn't you feel great? <laughs> right? This is not based upon my reason. I, I, I had my car sold to me before I even went to the sales lady. <laughs> um, let me see, where am I? Oh, um, I'll draw a short or small one over here. If you recall, um, I had the body, the spirit, and then the soul kind of connected together here. And then I had another big circle going around the, the which has a pin. <laughs> What's that doing over there? Yeah. A big circle called the sinful nature that was basically taking control of you. And you were a slave to sin, right? But we learned that our sinful nature was made powerless and so uh, come on here it was not an all-encompassing sin still was in their life but it was not all-encompassing anymore it's just had a little bit right there it's made powerless to fully control you because now you're keeping in step with the spirit you are letting the spirit guide you and not the sinful nature guiding you and controlling you and making a slave of you, right? And so that's where this determination is realizing that you still have sin in your life, but it's not all encompassing taking control of you anymore. Okay, let's see here. Any question? Any more questions on determination? Again, think about Jesus. He went through these temptation stages, but he hadn't sinned yet. Would you agree or disagree? Now that we define them better, maybe. Because he was hungry when he was out in the desert. Wouldn't that taste wonderful to have that bread? He imagined what that would taste like. But he's, he decided not to do it. Okay, let's go ahead and go on into the sin stage, disobedience. Disobedience is the stage that actually leads to sin. The target is your will. The goal is to get you to take action. It wants you to surrender your will to your feelings um, and that's why I said with the example of the car sales person uh, wouldn't wouldn't you feel great driving this car you check out a logic and think I can't afford that car I need the station wagon for my family I don't need this two-seater for me to drive around in right and so you you get all caught up in emotions Um, I can't remember what I heard the story, but talked about a five-year-old climbed up on the counter and um, got a cookie and out of the cookie jar, and the, and the mom caught, came in and caught him. 
And he said, well, I just climbed up to smell the cookies and my tooth got caught. Um, and this is again where we talked about um, the guilt and the pain. The guilt could be good for you to keep you away from go going into this next stage, or it could make you, once you get into the stage, you become powerless for God because you're so into yourself and into your guilt. Let's see. Any more questions on determination, or I'm sorry, disobedience? disobedience the next one is development so what do you think the target and goal is for this stage of temptation that's kind of a hard question I'll give you the answer <laughs> the target is your body the goal is addiction we mentioned that earlier it wants you to make your body a slave to food drugs sex etc so you did it once you drank it once or you looked at the magazine once or you whatever sin you want to covet once and then you start to think about disobedience or I'm sorry development um, how to make that more and more we talked about lying that developed into another lie and another lie and other things and pretty soon you're addicted to the sin that you're struggling with and it's hard to come back out of that once you get into the addiction phase now death is the last one and James specifically talks about that one the target here is your spirit the goal is to get you separated from God sin and God do not mix you either serve God or you serve Satan if you refuse to serve God you will end up serving Satan, and you're separated from God. Thus, death, spiritual death. Okay, so those are your six stages of temptation. Now what I want to do is, is talk about what's in our toolbox of how to resist these, these temptations when you are tempted, not if you're tempted. But when you're tempted, what are some things that we can do to keep from going into the next reign, the next one, the next one, the next one, especially <laughs> into number four, five, and six. What are some tools to help you? One is to understand that there's stages. There's what? One is to understand that there's stages. Some people can feel guilty just for flitting, you know, flitting temptation of the mind or of the imagination. Okay. Uh, good point. Good point. So if you if the first stage is the mind and you just thought, I wonder, oh, I've sinned. Well, I've gone that far. I'm going to go all the way, right? Um, so, but to realize you haven't yet until you got down to this disobedience phase. And so, in in talking about Jesus lusting, right, or talking about lusting at the woman, she described it where you actually you kind of imagine, you kind of determine maybe how. But until you actually put that even in your mind, I'm really going to focus on this lust after this woman that you haven't sinned. Well, like training our children. I mean, don't even say, you know, 
I've heard people say, don't even think about doing songs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. You know, yep. you have to say, well, I think about the cookie in the cookie jar, but I know it's not time for a cookie. Right. Okay. We'll have a cookie later. Yeah. Somebody said my name. Yeah. Um, when, when you guys were talking about the, the lusting uh, originally, I, I went back to the, the verse in Matthew 5 just to actually see again and remind myself what it actually said. Um, so I'm just going to read Matthew 5, 27 and 28. Um, he says, You have heard it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So there is a mind piece to it, but it's it's a mind in action. It's, it's not just the fleeting thought. There's a intention and action around at least in the way that this this version okay the NIV, um, describes it and I don't know if we're splitting hairs here between mm-hmm. right and right but but it does seem that there is something beyond just the thought there's there's some sort of movement towards the disobedience yeah, I like the word that you used, action, taking action to go into that disobedience phase. Somebody else had a comment? Yes? Well, the scripture says that um, I'll hide your words in my heart so I may not sin against you. Okay. And I think so as your mind starts going with these things, then the Lord will, if you've been a student of the word, then the Lord will bring verses to you that will not allow that. Okay, so that's a tool. That's a tool in the toolbox. The word, putting the the word in your heart, so that when you're tempted, you can remember. Oh yeah, I'm not supposed to do that. <laughs> okay, so uh, now that we've gone through the six stages, let me give you an example of how that works. This is the ice cream temptation story. <laughs> I know, we are all sinners. Okay, number one, the mind. You notice the ice cream in the freezer. You say to to yourself, I wonder if it still tastes as good as it did before. Or, I wonder what flavor it tastes like. (laughs) Right? That's the mind. Okay, imagination. You start to imagine the cold feel on your tongue and how good it tastes if it were in your mouth. It reminds you of how good it tasted the last time. And sometimes sin is like that. It's like, I remember last time I was tempted. That felt kind of good. Determination. I can always run an extra mile. I had a tough day. There's a whole lot worse things I can do. Then there's disobedience. You take the lid off. Your mouth begins to water, and you dig in and put ice cream in your mouth. Oh. Development. Just one bite won't hurt. Just one more bite won't hurt. <laughs> that was good. Just one more bite. Just one more bite won't And then there's death. I, ate the whole I can't believe I ate the whole thing. 
And she says, where's the ice cream? Oh, good, you're going to get it. <laughs> right? That's how it works. That's how the six stages develop and leads to death. Now, that's a thing that we all struggle with, probably, ice cream. But it's a good example of what we go through through any of our temptations. So, again, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry, I was going to go off on a weird tangent. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, it was donated to Mercy's Gate. <laughs> yeah. And then you had to get in the line, mm. so it could make it even worse. Okay. So, she mentioned the word. What scripture helps you when you're tempted to keep in step with the Spirit? What scripture helps you? You know, Eddie taught a good sermon uh, a couple months ago about that, you know, that there, there are verses for just about any sin that we can think of. And if we commit those to memory and, you know, bring those to mind or even say them out loud, then they can be used as our, our weapons against temptation. Hmm. It reminds me of somebody a couple thousand years ago used the scripture is written is when I'm tempted if Jesus used the scriptures it is written why don't we so in the same way with um, not just temptation but if if you're grieving about something somebody just died and somebody comes up and you well it says here in the scripture and you know the scripture you've heard the scripture and it's a comforting scripture but you just don't care right then. <laughs> You're just grieving. But if you had that scripture in your heart already, deep down inside, when that depression comes, you're able to go back to that and gain strength from that and come out of that more and more. That's what Jesus did, right? So what are some scriptures? What are some examples of scriptures that help you? I talk. Huh? Philippians, the word for something, focus on what's good and and profitable and right. that sort of thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Focus on these things. Yep. I mentioned First Corinthians ten thirteen, where when you're tempted, God is faithful; He will provide a way out. You just have to take it, and. Um, uh, when I'm talking about the John Wesley Ranch uh, men's retreat, realizing you're not the only one that gets tempted with that temptation. Find somebody who can help you to understand that and deal with it. Now, you might be both drugged down into going to the bar together. <laughs> so be careful with that. Um, what are other scriptures? How can we keep in step with the Spirit? Eddie? There are specific scriptures that I think you're asking for those particular things for specific sins and so Okay. It's about lust, you know, Patches, Matthew five, for example, <coughs> Jordan it's about hate unkind words is what has to that. Okay. But then there's another there's another scripture that helps me a lot. It's any scripture in the sense that if, if my day begins through immersion in the word of God, it is strengthening me. It's awakening me, it's preparing me, and so it's arming me. And so, no matter what scripture I'm reading, as long as I'm 
daily in the Word of God. That's just um, preparing me for the day. But then I arm myself with whatever struggles, like James 1, where it says, Dear brethren, take note of this, everyone. Slow to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. And so sometimes I impulsively say unkind things or have an anger. And okay. that's a scripture that I have learned by memory. Uh, and I ask God to bring it to my memory in that heat of temptation. And okay. Telling thy word, have I in my heart think this what you were saying, right? And then right after that, he says, I recount you, right? I, I speak. If you speak it verbally out loud, it's going to be harder to commit that sin. If you're in the temptation, you quote a verse that speaks about it. If you say it out loud, it's going to really make it harder for you to go into that. At least it should. Okay. So if you are dealing with anger, then you quote the scripture to yourself about be slow to speak and so forth. And if you speak it out loud, it helps you resist that temptation going all the way through. You got a comment? Oh, wait. It- it's not a scripture. Okay. There's quite a few scriptures I love and I used in my life. But in our family, we have this funny little saying that when something is out there and we need to flee from it, we tell each other, run for your life. <laughs> run for your life. Okay. Did that, somebody else have a comment that I missed? Okay. Um, reading scripture for sure. And I'm looking forward to Gary's class on Romans because Romans 6, chapter 6, and Romans 8 are really helpful for me. It's talking about the sinful nature. It's talking about the spirit. Who are you going to serve? And letting, you know, letting, being a slave to the spirit rather than a slave to, to sin, to Satan. Um, what are some actual things that we can do to help us not go into, you know, when we're tempted. How, what are some things? Run for your life, okay. Avoid the situation. Avoid the situation, okay. Don't buy ice cream. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> if you struggle with ice cream, don't buy ice cream. Don't have it in your freezer. Very good. If you struggle with alcohol, don't have it in your house. Hang if you st- right hang out with the right people, okay. Accountability partner. Accountability partner. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Pray, pray for strength, okay. All right. Um, train yourself to be transformed into the image of Christ. And the more you do that, the easier it's going to be for this little bit of sin that's trying to be around you to not control you. It's going to be easier for you to resist all that temptation. And so if you... Um, Say our guy, and are you are used to when you go to the checkout counter, uh, looking down the lady's blouse when she's bagging your groceries. Train yourself to look the other way, the way out. And once you get to train yourself to do that, more and more and more, it it gets easier as time goes on, because you're training yourself. If you uh, are watching a movie and the man's butt appears on TV, train yourself to look away from it or don't watch that channel or that show at all, <laughs> right? Uh, whatever temptation you are, train yourself to look for that way out. And the more you take that way out, the easier it's going to get. It's still there. It's still in, around in your life, 
But Jesus is more powerful. The Spirit is more powerful. Yes? Mm-hmm. Just the fact that there is a way to get out of this situation, even if I have to just abandon the situation, leave my coat behind. Right. Right. You mentioned, you know, training yourself, which is, you know, certainly helpful. But you also mentioned, you know, gave, gave the example of, you know, a comforting scripture being given, you know, right in the moment. And it being the, the first time you heard it, so to speak, versus, you know, a, a scripture that you've hidden away in, in your heart and it brought to mind mm-hmm. in the moment and you hang on to that because, you know, that may be all you have in that moment of grieving. Right. Um, and, you know, I, I think that's, that's the promise of the Spirit and God's Word, right? If we... We know the word, and we are and we are uh, truthful with ourselves about what we struggle with, and we hide those tools from Scripture in our heart. Mm-hmm. The more that we do that, the more that becomes uh, what takes up our mind more than the things that uh, that Satan tries to, to put in there. The mind controlled or governed by the spirit is life and peace, right? It's like a it's like a fight for you know who controls the most space mm-hmm. in your mind. That's mm-hmm. kind of how I think about it. Okay, um, some real quick tools uh, that I've learned is uh, like on Google search or any other search engines. There's usually a safe search setting so that if you type in a certain word, it won't pull any of that garbage up for you to be tempted to even look at. Um, if you're watching um, like Comcast or some other things, there's sometimes a filter that you can say, uh, don't even show me any m- movies listings above this rating. And that way it doesn't, it doesn't even come up there as you're scrolling through, what should I watch? Those other things won't even appear in there. So those kind of tools that I'm talking about to avoid getting into this at all. We are out of time. And I appreciate your attention to all my classes, and hopefully they will help you in your life to keep in step with the Spirit. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yes, no, no, no class next Wednesday, and then you're taking over in here? Probably going to start in auditorium. Auditorium, okay. And then if we don't need to, I'm moving here. Okay. All right. 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 <laughs> Who knows? Okay. Thank you very much. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the senior minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.